0: Welcome to the Math Ed Podcast. My name is Sam Otten from the University of Missouri, and today I am joined by Dr. Sandra Philibrown, who's a professor of mathematics at St. Joseph's University over in Philadelphia. So, Sandy, thanks so much for being here.
1: You're welcome. Glad to be here.
0: We're going to be talking about an article co-written by Sandy and Dr. Agnes Rash, and that's an article appearing in Primus. It's available online right now, and it'll be coming out in print shortly. But the article is entitled, Courses on the Beauty of Mathematics. Our Version of General Education Mathematics Courses. But, Sandy, before we get to that article, which is talking about some of the courses that you've designed and are running at St. Joseph's University, I like to get background on my guests. So I'm curious about you, um, where you went to graduate school, and what was the focus of your dissertation?
1: After I graduated, um, my undergraduate degree, I went to Tufts University for a master's in education, and then taught high school for a few years and eventually went back for my Ph.D. at Lehigh University. Uh, when I was working on my Ph.D., I was working in real analysis. Haven't worked in that field in a long time. In fact, I picked up my dissertation the other day and was, <laughs> I really write this. <laughs> it's been a while.
0: <laughs> hmm. Well, that's interesting that you had the high school and the education um, background and then went into mathematics PhD because a lot of times, in my experience, the mathematics PhDs go straight through from undergrad to PhD program or maybe a master's in between. But the folks that go to teach for a while usually end up coming more on our side of things where I'm referring to mathematics education PhD programs.
1: Yeah, it was a, a sense when I was teaching high school that I had a desire to do more mathematics myself. I mm. I just felt that I really hadn't gone as far as I could go with mathematics and I enjoyed teaching very very much but I just wanted to do more math. I actually went back for a master's in math and worked in industry for a few years before eventually getting to the PhD.
0: Mm-hmm so we're going to be talking about this article from primus this deals with general education mathematics courses and the reason i was really curious to talk to you about this is because colleges and universities across the country are really thinking about and grappling with the mathematics courses that they are going to require as part of their general requirements for all students a lot of times there's challenges with these courses because you have students from lots of different majors or who have lots of different professional goals but still taking at least one, or sometimes a couple, mathematics requirements. And I recently saw that Wayne State University in Michigan, their board actually voted to just remove the mathematics requirement, so that a lot of majors don't need to take any mathematics at all. I brought this context with me when I looked at your piece, because in your article, you're talking about St. Joseph's situation, and you've done something pretty creative with your general education mathematics courses. So I wonder first if you could set us up with the context. Tell us a little bit about St. Joseph's situation, and specifically the situation prior to when you made these changes.
1: So St. Joseph's University is a Jesuit institution, has a very strong liberal arts background, and mathematics has always been part of the general education requirements. In the past, there was a two-course mathematics requirement, And the department was able to, we went to the other departments and said, what math do your students need? And tried to develop courses that would satisfy what the other departments wanted. So we had a two-course math sequence for the business majors. We had calculus sequences for the science majors. We had... Other math courses for the social science majors, one of them was statistics. Uh, We had recently, I don't know if this was before your time, but we started using the COMAP book. Well, we were one of the early adopters to that and so drifted into that kind of a course. And then we had a two-course sequence for humanities majors. But these were all very superficial courses in the sense that we did a little bit about a lot of subjects, except in the the calculus sequences, those were fairly traditional calculus sequences. And the students never really understood why they were taking these courses, and we weren't particularly happy with them, and we kept fiddling with them, trying to make them more relevant, more fun to teach, more enjoyable for the students. Uh, But then in 2008, the the whole university was tasked with revising our general education program for all students okay and so as as part of that conversation we really looked at the mathematics courses that we were offering and wondered what we could do differently
0: mhm and so you ended up with courses that are on the power of mathematics and courses on the beauty of mathematics with students kind of getting exposed to the power and the beauty And we'll talk about those more, but I'm curious where the inspiration or where the initial kernel of the idea came for taking that approach.
1: I think that we were concerned that most people were starting to think of mathematics as statistics, that we were going to be asked to teach everyone statistics and only science majors would take calculus and no one would see any other mathematics. And we were very concerned that if that's the way things went, that no students would be introduced to any topics in mathematics that they hadn't seen in high school, and we just thought that that wasn't what we wanted to do. You know, we're mostly pure mathematicians, not all of us, but many of us, and we just thought that students ought to have an appreciation for what mathematics can do. And so that's where we started talking about, well, there's statistics and it's useful and that's the power of mathematics. But there's also the more theoretical side of mathematics. And for whatever reason, we ended up calling that the math beauty courses.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that resonates with me because in my experiences with secondary mathematics, I always felt like I had a responsibility to try to show students how great mathematics can be and where it can take you. Because if they don't see it in high school mathematics, then I was always afraid that they would never even see it. They would never even have an idea of what mathematics could be or where it can go. And so if high school mathematics is a kind of a limited version where it's very procedural or it's kind of like everything is made pretty straightforward so that you can kind of pass the test that you need to pass, mm-hmm. I feel like then we have a lot of students who go on in life, and never even realize what they missed. They don't even really know what the mathematics could have been or, or what it can do at higher levels or just what it can do if you take more of a problem-solving or a rich conceptual approach.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, you know, My favorite times in mathematics are when I'm fiddling around, trying to understand a pattern, trying to see, why does this work the way it works? Why am I seeing something pop up in different places? What are the connections? You know, that's to me the fun of mathematics. That's what I enjoy. And that's what we wanted to try to show all of the students, not just the mathematics majors.
0: Mm-hmm. So, can you give us a kind of an overview of the courses that you ended up developing in this new model where you have the power of mathematics sort of cluster and the beauty of mathematics cluster?
1: Yeah, so the power of mathematics part of our proposal was voted down. And it's Mm. not part of the general education program. However, many departments still require their students to take a statistics course with us or a business calculus course with us. Um, And that's just requirements of various majors, but it's not part of the general education requirement. Um, Every student at St. Joe's, though, is required to take one of the courses that satisfies the math beauty component. And... We have a number of courses that satisfy it. The science majors calculus sequence satisfies it, because in that sequence we do um, some proving, some proofs talk about what it means to actually prove something. Um, And so the calculus sequences for the science majors satisfy the math beauty component. But our business calculus course, which is very procedural, does not. And so there are a bunch of other courses that we developed, and we teach many sections of many courses every semester based on what faculty want to teach. So the first one that was developed we call Whole Truth About Whole Numbers, and it's basically a number theory course that is accessible to anyone. There's no prerequisites to it at all. That's true for all of the Math Beauty courses. Um, Another one is The Mathematics of Chance, and it's a probability and combinatorics, so counting methods course, but not statistics. Uh, There's Mm -hmm. one on game theory and voting theory. There's one on, uh, it's called linear methods. It's mostly linear algebra. Uh, There's one on symmetry, so symmetry of groups. Wallpaper symmetries, topics like that. There's one on mathematics in music and one that basically a history of mathematics course. So looking at mathematics uh, through what was going on in various cultures at the time and why that mathematics was developed when it was developed.
0: My guest is Sandy Philla-Brown from St. Joseph's University. We're talking about her article with Agnes Rash that appears uh, in the journal Primus. So the titles are interesting and you have a nice range of courses, but I can also imagine fairly typical or straightforward courses on those topics like linear algebra. Here's a linear algebra course where you kind of learn the methods that you need to know for matrices and things. But in your design at St. Joseph's, you've taken a different approach. So I wonder if you could... Talk us through, like, what a student's experience would be like in these courses and what makes it sort of more about this beauty of mathematics rather than just a straightforward, here's the content that I need to deliver to the students.
1: Yeah, so the biggest component to every one of these courses is a unit on what does it mean to have a mathematical proof of something. So a lot of time is spent at the beginning of every semester in every one of these courses talking about what's the difference between a conjecture and a proved theorem. Can you prove something using examples or does that not really count as a proof? What about a counterexample? What's the difference between looking at examples and finding a counterexample? Looking at proofs using contrapositive, looking at logic puzzles and understanding what inductive reasoning is all about. So there's always, in all of these courses, a big unit on what does it mean to actually prove something mathematically. Mm. And then the courses diverge in terms of what content they use to further explore writing mathematical proofs and looking at conjectures and then trying to prove them so
0: on. Mm-hmm. And then the students are actually involved in writing those proofs, which you know might come as kind of a surprise to have non-mathematics majors or non-science majors, but let's get them involved in proving.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's really difficult to get them convinced that they can do it to get started, um, but once they start, they generally dive in. Uh, they have no trouble trying to do this. Uh, we have them working in groups most of the time. Not every instructor does this, but most of them do have them working in groups, have them looking at examples, making conjectures, trying to prove, trying to disprove. There's always students that take longer to understand that lots of examples don't make a proof, and but only one counterexample is needed to disprove something. Uh, mm-hmm. But But the idea is to get them involved in the business of what mathematicians generally do, as opposed to just passively learning rules Mm -hmm. and theorems and so on.
0: Mm -hmm. So what would you say, this has now been, you know, going on for a few years, what would you say for yourself personally Has the response has been to this shift in the general education courses? And then what have you kind of sensed or learned from the students and how the students have responded to it?
1: Well, the faculty in our department, in the mathematics department, like the shift because, we had the freedom to develop courses on topics that we were interested in. And and so we had a sense of ownership. We get to talk about things we really like. We get to build through a semester to some big result that, you know, we think is important. And so the faculty enjoy teaching these courses. Some departments in the university are more on board with it than others there's still some resistance in the business school as to why their students need courses like this. Mm -hmm. But again, the the liberal arts background of the university is pretty strong. And so most people understand it from that perspective that, you know, the failure and withdrawal rates are no different than they were before the change. And so the administration is perfectly fine with it. Um, And so from faculty and administration point of view, They think it's fine. Student perspective, these are mostly freshman level courses. Most students, not all, but most students take their math beauty course as a freshman. And coming in as a freshman, they don't know any differently. And so they think it's perfectly normal and they just take the courses. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, some students will complain about how difficult it is but they were complaining about how difficult our other courses were, so that's not anything Mm -hmm. different. It's very different from any course they've had in high school, so we try to take time to let them know that that's going to be the case. Mm -hmm. And if we do that, we seem to get better reaction. So we've sort of adjusted the way we teach to make sure that the students understand that, yes, we realize this is new and different, but we're behind you. We'll help you. We'll get you through it. And it seems to be going fine. You know, to take a topic and explore it in depth as opposed to just covering the surface of it. So in our, you know, in our mathematics major courses, that's what you do. You take a subject and you build and you start from scratch and you build and you build and you build. And at the end of the semester, you hope you've gotten to some of the important theorems in the topic. And so that there's that sense of building to something substantial by the end of the semester, as opposed to doing a little bit, dropping it, and starting something new, which is the way most of the other courses used to
0: work. Well, thanks so much for sharing with us about that. Um, I do have one final question that I ask my guests, and so I'm curious to hear from you. If you imagine an alternative life where you were not in mathematics education and then mathematics, what might you have been doing instead?
1: Well, I was a programmer when I was an undergraduate, you know, for part-time work. So I easily could have gone into computer programming as a career. Um, I also applied to the astronaut program, which turned down, but that would have been a wonderful oh, wow. career.
0: <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs>
1: um, but, I don't know, mathematics has always been what I've been interested in, so it's quite difficult to think of something else. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Well, we are glad to have you uh, working in the field and kind of crossing the bridge a little bit between mathematics and math education so that we can think about these together. And I know a lot of people in math education, including myself, are very passionate about the power of proof, and I think it's nice to talk about infusing proof and proof-type thinking, but calling it beauty, because that's really what it can be, and so I think that's great to have that and try to allow more students to see that full range of what mathematics can be, Um, so I really appreciate your work with Agnes, and thank you for coming here and talking with us about it.
1: You're very welcome. I was happy to do this.